This is Cole. Learn how to tell stories and watch it. My God. <laughs> You're so vicious, so hard. And this is Ron. Yes. I hate your guts. Oh, that's a lie. That's a lie right there. Oh, desperation is a stinky cologne. We are the creative team. Oh, my God. I quit. Well, it's the big hoe. Did you really just book that? <laughs> Michael Jordan and The Undertaker. Uh, in your face. One of them has 30 years, and the other one is just Michael Jordan. Woo! Welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team! I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how the heck are you today, bud? Oh, bitches and gentlemen, it is so good to be back. Ah. I don't. I know. I didn't mean that. I'm just quoting Eminem, so it's it's allowed. <laughs> but uh, I'm doing great. It's a fantastic day. Uh, nice little return. Nice little break from uh, some technical difficulties. But I'm I'm excited to get back and talk wrestling with you, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, so just before we get into this, there w- will be a programming change. We know we had promised we're going to do this uh, tag team bracket. We'll get back to that someday. But uh, you know the. The technical difficulties and whatnot we've been dealing with for the last couple weeks uh, kind of had us in question as to whether we were going to be able to even get out an episode this week. So, like, trying to book a guest last second, this and that, just didn't come together. So, we'll put a pin in that. We have big plans for October, so we'll probably get back to that later in the year, you know? Absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll give it the old hot tag. <laughs> Absolutely. So... Uh, today we're just going to kind of get caught up on the world of wrestling because the last couple weeks have been insane. My and, goodness. <laughs> and so we've got a lot to talk about, Ronald. Oh, my goodness. I mean, like, like we can just jump right into it just because, you know, and, and first of all, you know, it's, it's good to be back with you all. You know, I, I hope you enjoyed the, the super version of the Canadian bracket, which is one of our favorite brackets, and among, among other things that uh, we claim is our favorite thing to do here. But, uh... Without further ado, the merger itself it has already been big news, but it actually kicked off, and we've already got like good. We already got like the beginning details of what this means so far, and so far it's been announced that as of next year in October, SmackDown will be leaving Fox and going yeah. back to USA. But the other, the flip side of that is. Monday Night Raw and NXT will be leaving USA and and landing in a place to be determined. Now, the to be determined portion of this, uh, as well as the fact that it's Monday Night Raw, you know, for the first time in quite a while, the the flagship show uh, that was Monday Night Raw is not going to be on the USA Network. They had its little they had its little time in Spike TV for a while, but ultimately they came back home to the USA where they were when we were children, and now. They are just taking Raw off and placing it somewhere else. I'm excited about where that's going to land. Uh, you know, if you do the fa- the business family tree of this whole situation, where you know uh, Endeavor has WWE and UFC, and you know, I know that ESPN is floating around there somewhere, which is tied to Disney uh, and. Just all these possibilities of where Raw and or NXT can land is very intriguing. Uh, so seeing, possibly seeing them in a little 
icon window of an ESPN app is kind of surreal to me. What do you say, Cole? Yeah, the the Fox thing is no surprise. Like the the rumors started coming out last year that Fox was not happy with their deal. Uh, I guess Fox didn't realize that even though uh, professional wrestling does great ratings, as as far as networks are concerned, especially these days where nobody watches TV, um, that even though people watch, a lot of ad companies still are like weird about professional wrestling. And so there's a lot of companies that won't pay for advertising, which is how these that the networks make their money back. So like if McDonald's and Coca-Cola are scared of WWE or professional wrestling, they're not going to advertise. And so basically Fox took a bath on this deal. They're not going to come anywhere close to making the two or three or whatever billion dollars they paid for it. Um, They're, they're, you know, they started out okay. It was about three quarters uh, they were making back, and then it's half. So they're going to basically uh, end this contract at a loss. So uh, there was no way they were going to re-up that deal. Um, and, and, you know, the problem with networks, like, good example, this last week, HBO pulled a great show off the air, canceled it after two seasons, uh, it's called Winning Time. It's like the story of the nineteen eight, the, the yeah the the seventy nine through like nineteen ninety Lakers organization. You know, it's, it picks up where where the Bus family buys the team and Magic Johnson gets drafted. He's like their first draft pick, and they become the Showtime Lakers. They dominate the entire decade. They go to nine finals, win five championships. It's a brilliant fucking show. John C. Riley is amazing as Jerry Bus. Like it in. And they ended season two with the motherfucking Boston Celtics winning the championship in 84 and beating the Lakers. Spoiler. And then they decided to cancel this motherfucking show. Yeah, spoiler, something that happened 30, 40 years ago. <laughs> it was funny because I'm in a group chat with with um, Scorpio Sky and Vinci and Scott Lost and uh, Mr. Excitement. And a bunch of other guys are all Lakers fans that were wrestlers. And... <laughs> Someone posted about one of the episodes. It's like, oh, this is great. This episode ended where they set up for uh, the coach to get fired. And, and Scott goes, spoiler alert, asshole. I'm like, oh, sorry, Scott. I didn't know you knew that 40 years ago the Lakers fired this guy. <laughs> sorry. It's like going to see Titanic and someone tells you the boat exactly. sinks. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It's a historical event, guys. It's not a spoiler. <laughs> like... <laughs> but anyway, they canceled this great show just because a couple, like the ratings went down a little bit. So they fucking canceled the show. Like networks, once they decide something's a loss or it's bad, they just fucking cut their losses. They don't, no second chances. They don't care, so yeah. That's why WWE. That's why WWE is selling uh, NFL titles on their way out this year. Oh yeah, that's so great. Yeah, they're trying that was to another fun thing. Trying to and scrounge up favorite, all the money. <laughs> my favorite thing was all of the social media posts, like featured the Jacksonville Jaguars title, like everywhere and everywhere. Yeah, we're selling titles, Jacksonville Jaguars, even though they pulled their belt like immediately. <laughs> 
It's great. You know, <laughs> it, you know, we, we say the Monday Night Wars are are over, but it's really just the everyday trolling. It's just, you yeah, know, it, yeah. we're, it's a product of the times. You know, back then we had two ne- we had two wrestling shows on two different networks going head to head just because TV was everything. Now yeah. you just have all the wrestlers and even the owners and the higher ups being just trolls on the internet. And it's kind of yeah, it's a little more yeah, fun just, to watch. Yeah, yeah, just chippy little children. That's the fun part, though. Is like it's one of the things that's that's fun about social media. It it it's it's good and bad because we hear about every single thing now, which is like the worst thing that could have ever happened to the wrestling business. But at the same time, it's fun for guys like us that pay attention and like care about you know the people and what's going on backstage so it's fun for us but at the same time it sucks you know it's one of the things that's helped kill the wrestling business but well anyway. i mean yeah anyway <laughs> so let's talk about more of that you know you, yeah. yeah you had a good uh, transition into what we should talk about next and that is really the big <laughs> giant list of releases you know uh, yeah. social media is a is a big culprit of why we know these things right when they happen and uh you know and Dare I say, there every other year there's like you know a day like this where like a big chunk of people are just no longer have jobs, yeah. and you know a, a a portion of this list is pretty shocking, and you you would think that'd be lifers, but a lot of these is who that and who what, uh. But you know, let's just get right to the list, and if anything yes. glaring comes up to you, we'll, we'll we'll discuss them. But right out the gate, a big shocker, but also the. The chin scratching possibilities are endless for this gentleman. We got Dolph Ziggler being released finally after more than a decade, nearly mm, over 15 years in the yeah. business. Uh, probably bell to bell, the best salesman can make anybody look good. Yeah. Um, just, you know, had his, had his uh, on top moments, but just the follow through was always just biting him in the ass. He was just one of those guys that was just tap dancing around the top and never actually got there. Um, yeah, uh, any thoughts about Dolph Ziggler finally parting ways with the WWE? Well, I'll preface everything by saying nothing on this list of release was a total shock. Like, you know, uh, Dolph Ziggler is definitely the the biggest name, and I, I would give Shelton Benjamin as like the we'll one get there. B. Yeah, but for Dolph. I'm not surprised. Um, we've heard rumors and rumblings, and and uh, on we'll call this on, on you know Black Thursday. Uh, th- this was kind of the first firing frenzy where uh, someone very close to me was nervous all day, and so we were texting a little bit back and forth, and because you know my sister has not been used very well or at all since signing her contract and so it was a little it was a nervous day and so we were texting a little bit and, and Dolph I don't I think he would have walked away from the company five six seven you know two or three contracts ago but they kept just throwing ridiculous money at him and so he's like well I'm not going to turn down you know to a million dollars a year to make I like wrestling and if I'm going to be mostly if I'm doing three minute jobs and sitting at catering and they're going to pay me a million dollars a year I'm not going to say no like fuck, <laughs> but that I mean the possibilities for Dolph are endless. I think he could very well be the next Cody Rhodes if that's what he wants. I I don't think there's honestly not a lot of guys in the business that are more talented or well rounded than Dolph Ziggler. He can talk. He's great in the ring. He could do all the athletic stuff. He can it, he can 
he's great old school style wrestling. Like he could do everything. And I think he'd be great in Japan. He'd be great in AEW. He'd be great anywhere else in the world. And he would, he, he frankly was great at WWE at times. And they just were like, yeah, we, he's just not our guy. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a Vince McMahon casualty. It's like, He's, he's kind of like the Owen Hart of this generation where it's like, dude, what the fuck are we doing? This guy is the guy. He has all the skills. He has all the abilities. And, like, if we just get behind him, he would connect with the audience. And it's like it's one of those. And I know that'll be the excuse. You know, I can hear Brucey saying it right now. Well, he just never really connected with the audience. Like, they liked him, but, they're you know, whatever, dude. Like, if yeah, you would no. get, like. Mo- the Sometimes, most successful money yeah. in the bank cash in, I think. I everyone points to Rollins because it's WrestleMania and it'll never that'll never be replicated. But you want to talk about just a random night on Raw? Uh, that is probably the most highlighted cash in ever. Uh, is when Dolph Ziggler cashed in on Alberto. Right, and Edge was the first one to like do the sneaky bullshit. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I I saw an interview he did recently. You know, because he was the first heel, really, that won the the money in the bank. Yeah. So it made sense for the heel to be a chicken shit and cash it in in a pussy way. But (laughs) so he set the table for that. Yeah, Dolph, I think, when he was doing kind of – it could have been any time. Like, look at what he did with the fucking Spirit Squad, right? Like, how fucking – No, 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 no. Let's go before that. He was Kerwin White's caddy. So the whitewashed Mexican golfer yeah. uh, had a caddy named Nick Nemeth, and then he went from that to a male cheerleader, one of five, by the way, and, and yeah, survived but... all that and managed <laughs> yes. to get on top as Dolph Ziggler. So you yes. know, there's but, something but, to be but... said about the person, <laughs> Nick Nemeth, as yes. far as being a chameleon in the wrestling business for so long. Everyone considers no. this as a failure. I think it's just the next chapter. Yeah, I, I, don't, I certainly don't consider it a failure, but... My, my point about the Spirit Squad was even watching that, you could see how great he was. And, yeah. and that he went balls to the wall no matter what shitty creative he had or what, you know, jabroni gimmick they gave him. He was going to deliver at the, to the best of his ability, and he did. So, but even then, you think about going back to the Spirit Squad, fucking, he's been there forever. Yeah. And so, yeah, you start to think maybe he's a lifer kind of guy. But, I like, the one thing I'd like to just point out to people about the merger when anthem bought ufc one of the first thing they did was tore up all the legends contracts and fired all the legends and and like basically stopped paying these guys that built the company which is a shitty thing to do so um but also with any merger you know there's going to be some overlap and so a lot of people are going to get fired that's just the way it is like it almost the entire wwe travel department got fired uh you know a lot of people lost their jobs because why do you need two divisions of travel you don't need it's one company everyone can handle a little bit more travel scheduling so that you know i figured creative you know agents and wrestlers would probably be the safest but i also knew there was no avoiding this they were going to try to cut budget that's just that's what's going to happen and and so they did, and Dolph Ziggler was, prob- Ziggler was probably one of the overpaid guys for what they had for him on television. Like, I, you know, his contract was much bigger than his value he was delivering on television to the company. So, 
that kind of a no-brainer to me, but I'm really excited for the future. Yeah, and you know, and I'm gonna fire off a bunch of names now because we spent a little, a lot of time on Dolph, but uh, we got a bunch of names to get through, and I'll circle back to the to the bigger names shortly. But from right off the bat, we also got, and this is a big name for other for other reasons. We got Top Dollar finally being released, ladies and gentlemen. I'm and, I'm sure Jim Cornette is just heartbroken i mean i am we're, we're flop dollar to be talking about yeah i mean we we he's he's a litany of highlights uh <laughs> a a guy a guy that i felt never got a fair shake just because of the creative uh riddick moss aka yeah. mad cat moss finally got released uh, my favorite memory of this guy was when uh candace got us tickets to a riverside show and they were trying to figure out something to do with this guy and all he had uh, was coming out and then turning around and pointing at his back, uh, just with his thumb. It was kind of like a, an overextended uh, Keith Lee taunt. And the only thing that I was able to muster out a reaction was, Look at my back! <laughs> which sent which sent your sister down a frenzy of laughter. Yes. Which is... You know, which is fun to fun to look back on. But yeah, Riddick Moss uh, is gone. Uh, Emma is has returned and gone again. Uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Aaliyah, you know, unfortunately, she, she survived that plane crash in 2001, and then uh, did not survive the this uh, WWE cut uh, segment. But uh, Rick Boogs is another one to uh, to go, and uh, you know that is um, gone too late, in my opinion. You know, anybody who uh, ruins Nakamura uh, for a, a segment of time is uh, not okay with me. Uh, speaking of not okay, Quincy Elliott is gone. Uh, I, this was, uh, yeah, uh, look it up, <laughs> look it up. He'll be on a sabotage draft in no time. Uh, we got, uh, oh, Bryson Montana. Yep. That's a thing. Uh, Dana Brooke. Now I'm not, I'm not going to say who and what, because Dana Brooke's been around for a long time. She's just done yep. next to nothing and, uh, is, uh, now no longer here. And, uh, oh, now yep. we get to the disappointing portion of the, uh, yes. of the segment. Monse and Mansoor, no longer with the company. Yes, the two Aww. people that attempted to ruin L.A. Knights are now gone. Uh, best of luck in their future endeavors. The big, giant, dancing Shanky is now gone. Uh, that's unfortunate. You know, Shanky? Shanky, yeah. You know, uh, he was the guy that was like, you know, a younger version of Great Khali and just danced with the ring announcer for like a okay. time period. Yeah, he was a meme for a second. You know, it, it just goes to show just how much they value Giants. Um, let's see. Oh, speaking of valuing giants, we got Dabo Kato, aka uh Baba Tunde and uh, Commander Aziz. Uh, he was yeah, the latest yeah, yeah. gentleman to uh, manage the very racist Apollo Cruz gimmick. Uh, yes. we got uh, Ulyssa Leon. Yep. Which is a person on this planet. Uh, yeah, we got. I, I, it sounds like they cut a lot of people that have been toiling away in in. NXT slash the pipeline that never amounted to anything. Yeah. So we got Daniel MacArthur, Kevin Ventura Cortez, Alexis Gray, Brooklyn Barlow, which is, I'm, I'm ashamed that I haven't uh, seen that. I wanted to see Brooklyn Barlow. Uh, Eichmann Euro, um, Abdul Abadi Fitzgerald. Uh, and, uh, now we're going to circle back to the people that we care about. So, uh, <laughs> so next in line, and this one's a little shocking to me just because of the, 
the talent this guy had, the look he had, but like Tropic Thunder, and I'm going to say a word just because I'm quoting a movie, going full retard will never get you an Oscar. So I'm going to think that going full musician does nothing for your wrestling career. And I'm going to say poor Elias is no longer with the company. Now, you know, when you go full musician, Cole, chances are you ain't going to make it. You know, Honky Tonk Man had a good run, but he had a good run being the mid-card heel. Jeff Jarrett had runs, but so did my shorts. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think Elias was, like, the closest, especially with modern day, to, like, kind of circle around almost being a top guy. Like, they tried several times. They even got to a point where he would come out with the guitar and get, like, massive pops. He was yeah. he was comfortable and uh, oh yeah he can actually play the fucking thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they made a music album. Like yeah, that. yeah, I own it. It's well, I I, I added it on Apple Music. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, that's a shock. I mean, you want to talk about a company guy? The guy said okay to the Ezekiel gimmick. Uh, yeah, my problem with Elias, I just it feels like yeah they gave him television time and stuff and they put him out there and let him do the gimmick, but they never really gave him an opportunity no. or a chance like. He ne- I I I he wrestled like five times maybe. Yeah, I can remember. I know he wrestled more than that. I'm sure he was on TV, but like I don't even remember having him having matches. I just remember him doing the guitar bit. Yeah, like they they got this guy who looks. I mean, here's the thing. Once he took the gear off and he did the Ezekiel gimmick, like this dude is jacked to the fucking gill. Mm-hmm. Like he's a handsome man. Uh, he's talented. He could talk. Like. I don't understand why they just never even tried. Like I feel like they. Well, they have. They 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 got they they got L.A. Knight now. I mean, it's clearly the same person. Yeah, I mean, kind of, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I just like, and yeah, I was one of those guys on Elias that rolled my eyes, you know, because the gimmick is just whatever. Yeah, it is what it is. It's Vince. It's sports entertainment. It's the shit that's been killing the business for 25 years, but it's a guitar it in a wrestler's it, hand. Yeah, it was it was over, and it was yeah, but it was a guitar in a wrestler's hand. And he actually played it. Yeah, like, <laughs> and he could actually sing. It's not like the other guys that it was just a weapon and a prop. Like, well, speaking I, yeah, of being weird, just a just prop, uh, Mustafa Ali was finally cut, and boy, has he had a roller coaster of emotions of a run. Uh, he came in as one of the one of the 32 uh, cruiserweight classics, which 2016 is such a great year for wrestling because of yeah. that alone. Uh, but Mustafa Ali was the first of the of the series of people to be on WrestleMania pre-show, but he was on it. Uh, yeah. You know, he had the the Mortal Kombat gear, and then he just kind of floundered once they all started getting called up. And then the retribution thing happened, and then him wanting to quit happened very publicly, and then him coming back and trying to do the gimmick he wanted to do, and then that failing. The guy just hasn't had the most fun, creative, fulfilled run. But he's been there quite a while, and finally he gets what he wants in like finally getting out there, so hopefully he takes what he has gotten uh, out of this and... Yeah. Uh, you know, he has his own little story, but you know, the, personally, the guy has done nothing for me his entire run. Even even when guys I know are getting bad creative can still go bell to bell. He just, uh, he just, just he was just another flippy guy to me. But I, I feel like yeah, something's I, there. Yeah, I agree. But like, 
uh, yeah, I think there's something there too, but it's another guy where like they never really gave him a chance. Like I feel like Vince will decide, okay, we're going to give this guy a shot. And then he gives him two weeks. And if the ratings don't go up for his segment, like he just like, ah, he sucks. The fans don't like him. And he's fucking done with him. Especially if it's a guy he doesn't believe in or like, you know, like an FTR or something like that, where Vince doesn't necessarily believe in the character. Like, you have to be perfect. It has to be great. It, I mean, you have to just set the world on fire. And then Vince would be like, all right, I guess. But, like, you know, if you're Roman and the fans turn on you and shit on you for a year and a half, it's fine. But if you're, like, the, one of these guys that the fans might like, then, you know, and they don't just flock to you. He's done with you really quick. And I, there might be something there. I think he's definitely an, an AEW prospect. I think that he fits there. Um, even impact, like he could be one of those guys. I think he'll end up on one of those shows. Um, and we'll see what we see. I mean, it, yeah, he, I'm with you. He never really did anything to overly impress me. I think he can do stuff. I think there's personality there. Um, but we just didn't get a chance to see it. So I, I, I will, I'll hold, uh, I'll keep my, my, uh, expectations low, but I'll, I'll leave room for Mustafa Ali to impress me down the line. Yes, well, I mean, so, uh, transitioning to someone who's definitely impressed you on every line he's ever yeah. crossed, uh, Shelton right. Benjamin, finally no longer with the company. Now, you know, gar- granted, the man is uh, older. Uh, he's yeah. a Ruthless Aggression era talent. He's also one of the one of the class, uh, the graduating classes of the O2 uh, oh, one yeah. uh, OVW class, which is arguably the greatest graduating class in the history of developmental anything. Yes. Uh, and uh, highly regarded amongst the other guys that uh, were with him, who also were Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Batista, uh, Randy Orton, um, among others. But Shelton Benjamin, uh, one of the best athletes the WWE has ever seen, kind of kind of loses it when it comes to personality. But like he makes he more than makes up for it bell to bell and even today you know with the, even his contributions lack thereof with the hurt business was good yeah uh, I think he was a great candidate for a, a coaching position down the down the road Absolutely. Um, but you know his talents in the ring are still you know he could be a big hoss motherfucker at AEW or New Japan. I yeah. even though the guy doesn't need the money and he can just ride off in the, into the sunset, he's still got a lot of contributions left in him for the business, and uh, I'm sad to see him go. And you know, um, you know, we might need to revisit our tag team bracket because you know I just watched the Angle documentary, documentary, yeah. and I forgot how good uh, uh, yes. Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas were. And uh, absolutely. And so that's just you know a little. Since we got a pin in there, it's a little it gives us some time to like maybe uh, maybe yeah. add that in. Well, anyway, and maybe considering making just maybe considering making it a sixty-four team bracket. Ah. Just a thought. Yeah. Just a thought. We'll see. Let's see. <laughs> it's a lot of people of all time. <laughs> yeah, oh. that makes it a fucking four-part episode. But whatever. <laughs> Sounds fun to me. All right. Well, we got through the main list of the releases, but there was a there was a person added to the releases uh, a few days later after yep. this big release. And uh, this one has a little bit of conspiracy theory for me because uh, this guy with oh, the company... Yes. This is the most interesting release by far. <laughs> yes. This, uh, this uh, you know, 
say what you want about his tenure at the company and his on all the stuff that he's done there within the company, but he was also a uh, he was a pivotal member of the of the company that's now joined with WWE in this new buyout, this new buy-in, whatever this merger. Uh, UFC and WWE are now together, and all of a sudden, Matthew Riddle has been released. Now, if you followed UFC and WWE at all, you would know that there was not good terms between Dana White and Matthew Riddle. Uh, so I'm wondering if, you know, I, I, I doubt Dana has that kind of power, but given the, given the status of Matthew on the television show and just the lack thereof booking and or his scoreboard as a professional, you know, how, how much of Dana White possibly having to do with the release of Matt Riddle do you buy into, Cole? Um, I think it's one of those things that's fun to talk about. I think it's a, a nice, uh, reasonable fan conspiracy theory. Um, and and I, I wouldn't rule it out because I think Dana White's also a piece of shit, much like Vince McMahon. Like, he's great for in the public eye. But um, I, heard a, I heard on Corny, they read a stat basically that UFC last year grossed way less money than WWE like WWE was what made more money or drew more money in the company it was it's a bigger deal than UFC but UFC's profits were double what WWE's were even though WWE made a significant uh chunk of money more than UFC and I just went yeah because UFC doesn't pay their fucking fighters anywhere near what they're worth or what they deserve for what they're doing uh, and so, yeah, Dana White's there just making a bunch of money. You can just watch the stupid show he did, the slap fighting show that he did out there. He's just letting these people literally get concussed every week and laughing about it and having fun. Dana White, I wouldn't put anything past him uh, as, as much as he puts a, a good face on for the general public. He's a piece of shit. He's a promoter. He's an asshole. And they're just raking in the fucking gold while these guys literally are, co- are human cockfighting uh, for our pleasure. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me, but I think Matt Riddle is probably his own worst enemy. And, like, you know, it's not like he just didn't get along with Dana White. He kept failing drug tests, and then he went to WWE. He had the, the, the accusation, which was proven to be completely false, so I hope that everyone hears my voice and say Matt Riddle the accusations were completely false he did not sexually assault anyone or hurt anyone that we know of I I I can't say with you know certainty he never has but that lady was a proven crazy person but still his decision making to hang out with people like that (laughs) is questionable then you know the, the the failed drug test and the rehab and everything and then last week he had an incident at an airport so I think the incident at the airport was more the straw that broke the camel's back than anything. I think logically, realistically, if this dude has a controversy or a problem every year or every six months or whatever, it's probably not worth keeping him around for the long term because he's going to screw up. And when you already have Vince McMahon and his bullshit and then this merger starting with Dana White who slapped his wife on fucking camera for everyone to see... Like, you probably don't want Matt Riddle around when you're already going to be getting bad press. So if you can just, you know, clean things up like that, then it happens. It's still a little surprising because they actually did give Matt Riddle opportunities. Like, he was great in NXT. He was over. Um, 
You know, they had birds flying out of his ass. Like, he actually got a pretty good run in the main roster, even though they made him a totally stupid idiot for, like, the first year and a half. The thing with Randy Orton was great. Well, that's what and, you get and, when you say, go yeah. out there and be yourself, kid. <laughs> well, you be yourself, but turn it up to 11, for, for sure. <laughs> like, I, I, I've... I've been around Matt Riddle a couple times, and he is not Spicoli. <laughs> but, <coughs> um, yeah, so, uh, again, not totally shocking, not a total surprise that Matt Riddle would get cut, but, like, a little bit, like, wow, like, you know, he's a top guy-ish. Like, he's actually been used pretty well, and he's done some things, so it was a little, he, he wasn't like anyone else that got released for sure. Yeah, and that he got his own little release day. Like he was a yeah. he was a side of the of the initial list. But uh, speaking of doing stuff and uh, getting themselves over and uh, doing well, uh, let's talk about AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. Uh, that Absolutely. also happened in our absence, and uh, they put on uh, a show on television that I think was better in three matches than it was given the entire almost five hours of All Out. Uh, I I will go on record and say. Um, But right out the gate, they open with Eddie Kingston versus Claudio Castagnoli, and these two have done a fantastic job of just telling their story. And, you know, it's not really a story because there's a lot of drenched realism in there. Yeah, yeah. And to the point where Eddie even said on a a sit-down promo that before you you went to... uh, La La Land, you wouldn't do business with me, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, uh, this just goes to show you, and it's a reminder of how good Claudio is bell to bell and uh, how underrated Eddie Kingston is bell to bell because everyone rants and raves about his buildup and his uh, promos and all that stuff. But then when they get to the actual match, it's just, you know, it's a match, and you just root for Eddie because you love Eddie. But this was a match where Eddie was like doing false finishes and yeah it was like, crazy like th- he went he put his working boots on and I think he cut some weight for this one because he w- they went a long time and uh I'm just happy for the dude uh to get a moment like this and I hope there's great follow through because if anyone is a victim of start and stop it's Eddie Kingston uh, and I think that this is going to be a great platform to, for him to do some big things so much so that the man and this is this is also, another, if you followed his career, this is really cool to see. He actually posted online that says, due to injuries, he has to stop doing independent wrestling shows because he holds the ROH title and the New Japan Strong title. So he, so it sucks that the man has to be injured to cut, to cut less time off of his schedule, to cut yeah. time off his schedule, but it's also finally the guy... Ha- is able to say less booking so he could yeah. honor the two titles he's defending. It's it's one of those fairy tale things in wrestling. The guy is long overdue for success, and we've already had this conversation when the article came out for him and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. But it felt like that time came and went, and now we're back to where we were. And I hope they do it right by him this time, and I hope he does it right by himself. Yeah, absolutely, and it. it... <coughs> King is another one of those guys that uh, has been accused of being his own worst enemy at times. Um, but like this was a real thing. This was real heat. This was this was, you know, his real feelings at the time. And you know, he's grown up a lot and and improved. Jesus, he's uh you know grown up a lot and matured 
And so he thinks about things differently and he understands like now, but this was a great thing to play off of because this, these dudes did live together. They were roommates. They lived, you know, the, the, these two guys and Chris Harrell, they all lived together for years and they traveled around. And that's why I got to know Eddie because when, um, at the time hero was connected to the family. And, uh, so Eddie and Claudio came with, with hero when they went to PWG and they all stayed at the house with us. And so like, I got to sit out all night talking with Eddie. And then the next day at the show sitting there, uh, I got to watch this badass dude where my daughter autumn at the time was like one year. It was like a year old maybe. And just melted his little heart and he became the biggest softy I've ever seen. And so I got to see both sides of Eddie Kingston in one night, him telling fans to go kill themselves. And then also just sitting there booping my daughter's nose and just smiling ear to ear. And, uh, like I, I got to, I texted him cause Autumn sat here and watched with me the match and it was a phenomenal match. Um, but then the finish, like Autumn says, it's about time someone did the right thing. Like, <laughs> and so I texted him and let it, and I told him, and then I told him, I said, bro, too, this match was phenomenal. Like I don't usually pop out loud, but they got me twice in this match where I just fucking burst out. Holy, you know, it was incredible. It's one of the better matches I've seen this year. Honestly, I think it was better than, than everything at all in. If I'm being on, and I thought punk and Joe was great. I thought, Jericho had a great match with Osprey and I thought the main event was phenomenal but I thought this was this was everything I love about pro wrestling like it was hard hitting it was serious like there was um, a hometown boy and the hometown yeah, boy yeah, won hometown boy we got a real heel who's being a dick but I thought this was one of the few times that like the the you know trading the 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 dick measuring contest was needed so it's trading top chops and forearms and everything I thought this was one of the times where it was warranted and it wasn't just a throwaway spot in a match because it's cool and people like it. So, like, it really put it over the top for me on this one this time. So, I loved this match. Um, it was great. And it, and then, like, the show just... like They opened the show with that and, and, like, where do you go from there? But they still... Like, the rest of the show delivered. It was great. The rest of the show <laughs> delivered and let's get into it because the next thing that's noteworthy is uh, Moxley... Uh, versus Phoenix, and uh, what's shameful is that Moxley has been tiptoeing around go away with a lot of like diehard fans, unless you're really yeah. into the hardcore stuff. But every time you go out there, you just wince and cringe and just and just whatnot. But this guy was actually working hard with Ray Phoenix, and it was a good match up until uh, unfortunately he got his bell rung and then uh, took a Rikishi driver from Phoenix, and oh, no. and then. Um, and then went to get pinned, and Rick Knox uh, went for the pin, but then stalled at two. Not Mox wasn't kicking out, and you can tell that he's saying, "Pin me, pin me." Yeah. And uh, what what should have happened was just yeah, pin him. But Ray Phoenix picked him up by his neck and gave him another one, dead weight, another Rikishi driver, and then he pinned him. And you know. It was such a good match, and like, yeah, there was a surprise title win that wasn't supposed to happen mm, because yeah. you know Moxley just won this title off of Orange Cassidy, and right. now he just is basically a transitional champion because of freak accident. But you know, this is one problem that uh, AEW has always had, and it's the refereeing and the ring yeah, aware the, the, the ring yeah. awareness negligence. And this was the absolute worst of its kind because you got Rick Knox in there, who, who. 
I used to get heat for this all the time with, with referees when I was wrestling. Mm -hmm. But every time a referee asked me what the finish was, I always told them it's when you count the three. Unless it's a complicated finish, you're not knowing the finish because you should yeah, always yeah. be counting the three. If, we're, if he yeah. doesn't kick out, it's his fault. That's how I think wrestling should be. Anyway, that's my soapbox. So I feel like this is just a situation that Tony Khan's created where, um, you know, they didn't even stop the match with Matt Hardy when he smashed his fucking head on the concrete yep. live on television. They showed the replay so you could see it. And he couldn't even walk because he was so like he tried to stand up and just did like the drunk stumbling over, you know, like look like he was trying to ride a bike and then just fell. And they let that match continue. So it doesn't surprise me that even though Mox is not loopy, the refs aren't stopping a match. And it doesn't surprise me either that um, some of the guys who are more unsafe wrestlers won't just pin a guy because they want to have a good match and they want to have a cool spot. So they're not going to just pin a guy after 10 seconds and look like shit um, because they got to get over. And, and, and that's more important than people's fucking health, safety, and well-being. So yeah, I think this was... is more the unprofessionalism of the company than to put it on on Knox or any of the other people, unless you know something I don't know about Knox. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's just, <laughs> it's just. I think there was a uh, blame to be passed around. You know, Mox should have blame, Phoenix should have blame, Knox should have blame. It was just a bad situation. Yeah. And uh, I hope Mox is gonna be okay. But then from there, the next noteworthy thing, and if you're a fan of wrestling at all in the past twenty-ish years. You can see this coming from a mile away just because of the gear Sammy was wearing. When when Sammy Guevara came out to wrestle Chris Jericho, he had a very familiar gear uh, pattern uh, that he was facing Jericho, and uh, he was wearing the apropos Jericho highlight reel turquoise gear uh, that he wore at WrestleMania 19 when he wrestled Shawn Michaels. So right away... My wrestler brain yeah. and heat booking brain is already off the charts going, oh, he's going to low blow him and pie face him. Uh, yeah. and it's going to be fantastic. And that's what we got. We had a not so great match for for, <laughs> for Jericho, at, uh, you know, especially coming off that match with Osprey. It's going to be a while before he tops that or comes near it. Um, if ever again, that may have been Jericho's last. But yes. like we've been saying that for like the last five years, like the first year of AEW and then the stuff in Japan, like Jericho was still great. Mm -hmm. And so like for the first year in the title run, Jericho was pretty great. And then as soon as he lost that belt, like it was like, oh, like it was. Yeah, they, he, he chose to drop the belt. The wheels have felt like they've been coming off for the last four, three or four years. But then, like, every once in a while, he has a match like he did with Eddie Kingston. He does the thing with Osprey, And you go, God damn it. Like, he still can be great on occasion. And maybe he's not done. No, <laughs> yeah, he's a smorgasbord of creativity. And sometimes we get, like, a, a flaming young. Sometimes we get a Happy Meal. But yeah, uh, it's true. <laughs> what, what I'm excited. A happy Meal with the toy missing. <laughs> yeah. Don't even get the toy or the extra fries. I got apples. <laughs> Jericho gave me apples in this Happy Meal. A Happy Meal with apple slices and no toy. <laughs> Prick. But what, I'm what I am excited about is Don Callis being with Sammy Guevara and yeah. Takeshita. Let's, let's see what they do with Sammy Guevara now. And then finally, we're here, buddy. Uh, Samoa Joe versus MJF, which is such a fresh match. Like, it was one of those matches that, like, you know, it, it seemed like out of reach. But, like, once they got into it, it all made sense. And, like, you know, yeah. it was fun to watch. Like, it was new. Like, it was, it, it felt like something AEW hadn't done before. 
and it's been a while since I felt like that. It was like the stars aligned for these two talents, and they worked well together. Max didn't look crazy smaller than Joe. If this was maybe a year ago, it would be a little uh, weird, but ever since Max bulked up naturally... Uh, he, uh, Naturally. <laughs> he, uh, him going against Joe actually looked good. I love, love, yeah. love the story of basically him becoming the new Eddie Guerrero where the camera will tighten up on him cheating and the audience is going ape shit for it. Yeah. Like he really cartoons <clears throat> it up. He really cartoons it up, like reaching in his pocket, grabbing the ring and just fastening it on his yeah. finger and just really letting the people at home and the audience know without the referee knowing what he's about to do. And the audience is going apeshit for it. It's like, it's the heat Eddie Guerrero used to get, but like yeah. it's modern. And the fact that like he had another headlock takeover spot, you know, where he called the headlock takeover with, with Darby Allen, he told the world he was going to choke Samoa Joe out. And like, yeah. even babyface Max, I was like, no, he's not. But the way he did it was so fucking magical. It was a great story told. It was a pro wrestling match in the modern era that was delivered like a pro wrestling match, but also with a bunch of hard hitting, like psychology and hard hitting strikes. It was a Samoa Joe match that we haven't seen in a while. Just, be, just of the, the intensity factor, the monster dominating. Um, and I can't believe I'm saying this. MGF is just such a flawless baby face while acting yeah. like a heel. Yeah. It's so great. It's so fun to watch. Um, <clears throat> I was going to say, like, because, uh, like, the first one that comes to mind to me is Hogan. Like, because Hogan was a heel. Like, yeah. he fucking scratching backs and all clothes punches, punches women. Like, he, how many times did he punch Sherry in the face or give her an atomic drop and then she'd flip over the ropes? Or like, Hogan was such a heel uh, in his day, but he was the all-American boy. He was Hogan, and he would do it the right way, which is kind of what MJF's doing, where... I'm a good guy, but once you cross a certain line, then I'll win by any means necessary. And so, like, you know, him against Samoa Joe, he's out. He's <clears throat> outmanned, really. He, You know, he's not strong enough. Joe is surprisingly quick for his size, you know, kind of thing. Like, he can't fight Joe straight up man-to-man, so he has to resort to this. But he does it in such a way that it's, you know, fun. But, like, for me... This I missed the kangaroo kick every time he's done it. I always hear, like, I'll look down or look away, and they'll say it on commentary. And you're like, oh, and they never showed a replay. So this is the first time I actually got to see the fucking stupid kangaroo kick. And the way he fucking sold it and was just, he, like, totally over-the-top ass cloud for it. And I figured it was just the running fucking drop kick like yeah. that. But, like, it is the dumbest shit ever that's super over. Like It's going to be the new over. people's elbow. <laughs> yes, it is the new people's elbow it is so stupid but so i i just dude this match was this is what modern wrestling should be like i don't understand how people watch this see the crowd see the emotion behind it it gets talked about on the internet and we still got guys out there that just want to do stuff yeah and nobody gives a shit like i i i cannot stress this enough like yeah it's cool, but nobody gives a shit about your stuff. It's like watching a fireworks show. Yeah, I'll watch it. It's cute while it happens, but the second it's done, I, I, on to the next thing. I'm not talking about it tomorrow. Yeah. Like, ah, yeah, It's it, it just goes to show that the, most, the simplest thing that you can add to your match is intent. 
You know, you know, yeah, do your flips, but why are you doing it? Is it going to get you to your win faster or is it just going to make up for a cool moment in your match? Yeah, that's why I I stopped asking people, what do you want to, you know, what, what do you want to do in the match and asking people, what story do we want to tell tonight? Yeah. Like that's, that's where it's at. You know, what story do we want to tell tonight? What's the point? What are we doing? And then we'll put the match together to fit the story and tell it the best way possible. And and that's where you get a real connection with people. Make yes. them feel something. Well, speaking of feeling something and a connection, boy, we were treated to a surprise of all surprise on SmackDown, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, not uh, even a rumor no, or inkling. No, this was just <laughs> like, this was as sudden as Eminem dropping an album day of. Uh, just... Like, you, you have Pat McAfee coming out there, which is already a surprise in itself. He's over enough to get that type of response. But then you got Austin Theory coming out there, and we're rehashing some WrestleMania stuff. But then all of a sudden, if you smell hits, and the crowd, yeah. and, like, you know, you forget what a real pop sounds like a lot. <laughs> and, like, a pop, like, we've heard a lot of great pops for the, for the, for the wrestlers of today. But nothing will come close to what we heard when if you smell hit, hits the speakers and the rock comes out and not only did it hit as hard as just about any attitude era pop without any piped in speaker bullshit you can think of yeah this was that's the main thing that's, though, without piping it in yeah yes. yeah just to see that and for them to just not stop and you see the rock just milking it on stage just not doing a damn thing doesn't have to because that's what a star looks like uh and he comes in and does the segment and it's fantastic. And that's one thing on its own. I got a shout out to Austin theory a bit because every like a lot of like, you know, soapbox people will go, Oh, well he's buried bullshit. Like within, within his, within his time of being on the roster, he has so far been Vince McMahon's golden egg. We all remember that shit on it. All you will, but he was Vince McMahon's golden egg. Uh, during a time period where Vince McMahon was never and never on TV, yeah. uh, so that's that's something he uh, beats and wrestles. He wrestles and beats John Cena at, in the opening match of WrestleMania. He takes a stunner from uh, from uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania. Oh, and re- and has the responsibility of carrying Pat McAfee to a great match at WrestleMania. Uh, you know the guy is trusted and it couldn't be more of hey we're gonna trust you with the top guy spot down the road uh you know being in there with all these guys uh and rubbing up rubbing shoulders against them is nothing short of hey i like where the future is going with this guy but people just treat stuff like this as a burial yeah it's that's dumb it's fine like if the rock kicks your ass it's the rock you're fine yeah and if that means you're going to get a match later on down the road or you're going to try to get your comeuppance on the rock that's only going to fucking help you because the rock is going to get attention from literally every single person on the planet not just wrestling fans it's not like we're just like oh if the rock's wrestling there are going to be millions of people that don't usually give a shit about wrestling that may not tune in to watch SmackDown or Raw or whatever, but they're going to go on on social media. They had over 10 million impressions in like two days. So like 10 million people sought out to seek this video and watch it, and it was exciting. Like this is the kind of thing that gets lapsed fans exciting, and much to the thing that we were literally just talking about, if you can make people feel some kind of way, you'll be over. The Rock is the drizzling shit spell to bell, but he's one of the most over guys that's ever been in the wrestling. 
He is a fucking megastar the world over. Like, be The Rock. The I would, like, I have reached the point in life where I wish The Rock was on television. Like, I wish we had someone who was like The Rock. Because, you know, when The Rock happened, we had plenty of guys that were talented and were great. And so I could hate on him. But he's, like, in the edge category. And I was like, yes, please, God, give me The Rock for 30 minutes. Because it's better than anything else that's on TV right now. At least 90% of it. I'm not going to say. I'd rather see Brian Danielson still. But, like, I mean, God, The Rock is just so good as The Rock. Like, he's just great. He's one of the best characters ever invented in the history of entertainment. So, like, you can't be mad not only it. not only that, just the fact that he did this in Denver, which is yep. so random. Uh, yep. It's not that's not even the big thing. The big thing is all the is all the talking points after the fact, because there is a viral video of him going out there on a on a a, a talk show panel with Pat McAfee and, and other people. I think they're sports people. I'm sure, uh, mm-hmm. but they're talking about that uh, WrestleMania 39 was a lock between him and Roman Reigns. Uh, they're also talking about, hey, you know, WrestleMania 40 is in Philly. You know, they're already dropping hints on Rock versus Roman. And if they're dropping hints live on television, they're already planting the seeds and they they will most likely follow through. Now, the part that is kind of unfun, but also I have a counterpoint to this, and I'm surprised no one has brought it up, Yeah, is everyone's like, well, that sucks. What about Cody? Now Cody's going to be in the background for this for this big bloodline feud. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's bigger than him. I'm sorry. It's it. The Rock versus Roman Reigns is bigger on paper for the for the wrestling business, and I think Cody knows that because Cody is like a John Cena, where he puts the business and the and and he puts the business and the moments ahead of himself. Because if he put if he, if he attempts to put himself ahead of the moments, he will get Roman Reigns heat or John Cena heat. That's just how it is. My counterpoint would be that it doesn't necessarily have to put Cody's chase of the title in the background. We're talking about WrestleMania in, in fucking April. That's six months away. The rock and Roman Reigns does not need a title at all involved in any way, shape or form. So, I mean, there's a lot of outs. There's a lot of ways you can finish the story. Yes. It would be nice for Cody to walk off WrestleMania, winning the belt that his dad didn't win and then putting up some kind of picture or some kind of sound, whatever, and him celebrating. And it'd be really nice if they would allow Dustin to be there to celebrate in the ring with him and his wife. All this would be delightful. It'd be wonderful. But if it happens at the Royal Rumble or it happens, you know, that that's fine too. That's okay. I got no problem with it. But also... There's two nights WrestleMania, there we ladies go. and gentlemen. People can wrestle two fucking times. Circle <laughs> gets the square. That's where I was heading with this. So we have a number of stories that could be told and finished and written and be right in the middle of by WrestleMania. We've already planted the seed that The Rock and, and Roman Reigns can headline WrestleMania 40, which is if I was The Rock and I was the star that he is, I wouldn't fucking go to 39. You want that big round 40. Like, The Rock is at WrestleMania 40. And so him versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 40 sounds like a fucking poster. And not to mention, you said you said it yourself, WrestleMania is two nights. And we got one cat out there whose biggest gripe in ever in the history of his, of his career, how, much, how hard he's worked and how over he got, he never got the headline WrestleMania. So what I propose 
what could happen, what I hope happens, given the whole new regime and the UFC tie-in and like whole new owners and Vince McMahon not really a part of it. And this is just fantasy booking and it couldn't happen. But what if WrestleMania 40, night one, was headlined by a very tasty story of Cody Rhodes versus CM Punk and night two would be The Rock versus Roman Reigns? Yeah, and I'd be I that would be delightful. That would be great. Uh, I think CM Punk is definitely in the Cody Rhodes spot, um, where it would be a huge deal if he makes his return. And I think that would be one thing that would be worth delaying Cody winning the belt to say SummerSlam next year after WrestleMania. I'd be okay with that too. But either way, like I said, we don't need the belt for Cody. Or, or sorry, for Rock and Roman, they don't need a belt. That's going to be the biggest thing. That's going to be the story, regardless. Um, and, and I think there's a lot they could do to tie it into the Bloodline story and put a big bow on it. And that's it. We're done with the Bloodline after WrestleMania. But like, like bringing in the Legends to me is the last thing they have left in their arsenal before everyone is just like done with the Bloodline. So I, I think you can do that story. But I also think. You could set it up by The Rock making sure that Roman loses the belt at Royal Rumble to Cody. And then CM Punk being the surprise entrance at the Royal Rumble, completely unannounced, no hints, no rumors, no anything. And to win the fucker would be amazing. Like, And then we have two actual huge fucking stories, and we have two main events for WrestleMania. I love it. Well, I'm with you 100%. I think that's the way to go. I mean, Survivor Series is in Chicago, and we have a War Games wow. match that hasn't been booked yet. And uh, ha- and uh, to my knowledge, I don't think CM Punk has a no-compete clause because that is the question uh, that he Tony... Mentioned, he mentioned he'd be out of the eyes of the public for two months in an interview. So there's it's still speculation, but people think Punk has to be off for two months. Yeah, that, but but that's just putting bread. What's in two months? Bullshit together. Yeah, November. Exactly. Yeah, we've got time. <laughs> yeah, and it's already been a few weeks, so he's been fired. Yeah, so yeah, he should be available by uh, Survivor Series. So yeah. yeah, wrestling is wrestling is hot as far as the rumor mill goes, and I'm excited to see what the rest of the year has in store for us, and I'm excited for the build to WrestleMania 40. So much so that my God, I'm looking at plane tickets. Uh, nice. But uh, yeah, it, it'll be always sunny in Philadelphia if The Rock headlines WrestleMania with uh, with Roman Reigns. That would be oh, that would be I, something that I would love to because I don't think I've ever seen The Rock live, and that would be a treat. No, the only time I've ever seen The Rock live was when he did the the Ronda Rousey segment at WrestleMania 31. That was cute. Wow. Uh, yep. Okay. So, but yeah, but you got to witness that pop at least. Like, yeah. One time. Yeah. So that was a good. That's pop. great. Yeah, and and after the edge pop at WrestleMania's last year, I I actually I'm all about I'm all about it on it like that that just that one moment like changed my life forever. Like I'm all about just I want to be there for legends. I want to see that kind of reaction. I want to see the people that made the fans feel feelings and so they get it, that excited down the road when they see their guy. So that's yes, we might have to discuss that. Witnessing the pop is one thing. Being a part yeah. of it is yeah, a whole other thing. Oh. Yeah, yes, and you're ah. and being a part of this show is uh, is is a whole other thing, Cole. And I, I, 
I see we're at the hour point. We covered all the main news, but we yeah, we covered all the main news in the wrestling business, and uh, we're gonna cover what we're gonna do next week because next week we're gonna be starting a very spooky month, Cole. Uh, we yes, last year we had like a Halloween bracket for our theme, but you know yes, we're going to be doing all things Undertaker this month, ladies and gentlemen. For this October, we're going to dip into Ron's bag of tricks, and we're going to be talking about Undertaker. That's not going to be hard to do at all, and we're going to kick things off on week one of October with the top ten Undertaker moments. Now, Cole, I went with moments because you know I can list ten matches off right off the bat, but for a yeah, fan like easily. but for yeah. a fan like you. I think Undertaker is more of a moments guy for you, uh, which is, you know, understandable. He's a gimmick and a half, dare I say, the greatest gimmick ever made. Uh, but uh, we're going to have some take it up with creatives for this man as well. We're also going to have another top 10 as well. Uh, I'm excited for Undertaker month. It's a pretty easy. Uh, it's a pretty easy month to come up with. With uh, yeah. <laughs> when you're dealing with spooky stuff, who's the king? Uh, we're gonna go with Undertaker. So I'm excited to talk some Taker. What about you? Uh, me too. It's always fun when we dedicate a month to a wrestle. We've done it a couple times. We did a Bret Hart month. We've done a Randy Savage month. Uh, you know, March Madness this year was great. I'm really excited to spend a month talking about the Undertaker um, because there's a lot of. I mean, there's just so much to talk about. He, nobody's had a 30-year run with one company on top like that. Maybe Jerry Lawler, but it's a territory, so it doesn't really count. But, like, I mean, every time The Undertaker wrestled for the last 10 years of his career was the main event of the year. Like, it, they, we, got, we had gotten to a point where the real world's heavyweight championship was ending the streak at WrestleMania. Like, because that was the thing that people actually cared about. No one cared about who the champion was. Um, and, and, and of course that happened. Yeah. And so, um, would, there's so much to discuss cause we could, we can, there's a lot of bad booking with undertaker. There's a lot of unfortunate stuff. There's a lot of really, really great stuff. And then there's just some stuff that's disappointing. So like the, we could do like 10, take it up with creatives on the undertaker at just different points in his career. Uh, we could make a bunch of top 10 lists because it's The Undertaker. We you know, we could do a top 10 segments, top 10 matches. But top 10 moments is perfect because it encompasses everything. And for someone to be such a character but to still have such a large number of really great wrestling matches is not things that, that – like those things don't go together usually. If you're a gimmick, you don't usually have – like 10 of the greatest matches of all time. And then you don't get to be a top guy for 30 years. So I'm absolutely looking forward to it. This is definitely uh, near and dear to your heart. Um, and so, uh, I mean, we could do a, a whole episode talking about your Undertaker tattoos. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could. It, yeah, one giant tattoo on my leg of the Undertaker's face. You know, he appreciated it. Uh, you know, I could talk about meeting him at WrestleMania this year. It's it's going to be a great month because I get to I get to fantasize and nostalgia eyes uh, that's a word i just invented i get to talk about the undertaker he is the he's basically the anchor to my fandom in pro wrestling uh he's the guy that started it all for me and i can't wait to talk about it uh i'm excited that uh, we had such a newsworthy episode and we went over an hour so cole without further ado take us home all right so for ron kilborn i am your host cole dawson saying thank you we love you and good night <laughs>
Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130. And follow yours truly at Ron underscore Kilborn. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team. Team.